my idea and my sense, it's that it's, it's our bodies that are telling us all along. I would say that that's true for me. Um, for sure with my, like I said, my gut issues also like hives I've had, um, again, the, the way the body is like, you need to pay attention. You need to slow down. You need to pay attention. I'm trying to talk to you. Well, we don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know, like for so long, I still, like, I'm still learning the messages of my body, but that that is actually part of the process there. I think anxiety, I would say, I mean, I know anxiety is a tricky one because it's, there's, it's complex, but ultimately I, I still feel that it's that anxiety is our body's way of speaking to us, that there's something, something we're not being, something that's not true inside of us. And that can even be that I'm paying so much attention about the future things that I'm scared of, right? Like that's not truth. That's, that's belief. That's not truth. And so the worse we feel, the further are, the further we are away from what's actually true. Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Hey, it's Hannah. Welcome to today's show where we sat down with Stephanie Ressler to hear her story of how she uncovered her truth and how it has led her to the work she is doing now. Stephanie is a transformational life coach who creates the sense of safety as soon as you meet her. Feel it for yourself as you take a listen to today's conversation. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. We're so happy to have Stephanie here with us. And Stephanie, Stephanie and I were in the same pause breathwork training program. And were we in like a breakout room or a... I think at least once. Yeah, I was trying to remember what it it's all a blur now. It was like, I know it was <laughs> something. But anyway, um, so happy to have you here. And if you just want to take as long as you want, just introducing yourself. And then if you'd like to have it just flow into what our kind of our, our theme for the podcast to um, your journey of what your life kind of looked like before. And then if you had some kind of a scenario or an event or something that happened where you just were like, this isn't it. Let me figure out what is it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> big questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm Stephanie Ressler. I am uh, I'm calling myself these days a transformational life coach. And that comes because my sort of passion is exactly around what you're talking about. It's kind of this supporting people who are in that moment in their lives where they're looking at their life and realizing that this isn't it. Mm. And that they've built this thing that actually continues to feel dissatisfying and um, uh sort of like there's a need for something more. I have certainly been in that place a couple of times in my life where I sort of get hit with that like space where it's like, oh shit, like what have I done? <laughs> how did I get here? And how do I, how do I change? Like, how do I, how do I make it different? Um, 
you know, the sort of isolation and, and fear that can come around and shame, I think that can come around yeah. recognizing that you're not necessarily that you've, you ha- maybe perhaps you have what you actually said you wanted. And now that you have it, it's not actually what you wanted. And so mm-hmm. that place of, of feeling the complexity around like knowing that there's something more and not necessarily knowing how to get to that something more or knowing why it is that you want something more. Um, so certainly that's a part of my, part of my journey for sure. And it's this, I think a really particular space in people's lives that is deeply lonely, uh, and scary. So, yeah, so I'm a, that's the space that I like to support people in. That's like, I want, those are the conversations I want to be having and why I'm so excited that you all are having that conversation on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And we're so happy to have you. Yeah. So... Okay, so my story. If I were to pinpoint a moment in life, the first moment in life where this started to matter, I mean, I think for most of us, or I guess I'll speak for myself only, but for me, I would say it was a long time where I was feeling things. I was noticing things. I was noticing this this sort of like discontent in life or wanting something different, but for a long time didn't quite, wasn't cognizant of it. It's like, if I look back, I can say like, I knew, Mm. um, uh, but it wasn't, I I was doing the thing that I was supposed to be doing. And so therefore I was looking for how I was supposed to be happy in this situation Um, to kind of go back pretty far. uh, I think kind of an important element to my story is that I was married when I was very young. I come from a religious background um, not super conservative, but Mennonite. So culturally Mennonite. And that's important just because it has some of those religious um, expectations and the ways that we are sort of trained to believe that in order to be good and in order to be um, worthy uh, as, a, as a human being, there are certain ways that you need to be and certain choices that you need to make. And although like internally, I was always kind of like bust, like trying to, <laughs> trying to like shake that off and kind of like I was, I've always been a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a wrestler or like a fighter about these things. It didn't really sit well with me, but at some point I think I translated like, okay, well, I at least have to pretend that that fits for me so that I can feel like I can be loved. And so I made decisions very early on, like getting married at age 21 that were, you know, in for all intents and purposes, were there to allow me to feel like I could be respected and um, could have, yeah, like that people could, could, I could be okay in the world. Um, so that being said, I married someone who was a lovely human being. We were very young. We were sort of doing it because we felt like we actually didn't really need to get married. We were actually wanting to go travel the world, but there was a real feeling about like, you know, what it would be like if you would live with someone that you weren't married to. And so we, we decided, well, if we get engaged, then and we just have a long engagement, then we can like go do that thing and nobody else will have to feel un- unhappy about it. So you can see from the very beginning that it's this way of approaching life that's like, okay, well, I'll maneuver on the surface so that everybody else can feel okay, even though it's not actually the truth of what I want and who I am. Mm -hmm. But we were sort of on the same page about it. And so 
anyway, we wound up getting engaged and then people were like, well, we're getting engaged. Then why don't you just get married? And we were like, oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so we did, we just got married and we had a lot of years together um, that were really uh, quite, quite positive. But as you can imagine, and as you know, um, your brain isn't fully developed when you're 21. And I would say that it's really hard to make long-term life decisions like that, uh, sound decisions, when you are still a growing human and haven't quite come into contact with yourself. So although we had a lot of years together that were great, we traveled the world, and neither of us were sort of like ready to get on the bandwagon of, you know, buying the house and having the family, uh, we also, over the years, started, I started to feel that like, we were looking at the world really differently and we were sort of looking at the future. There were just dynamics that were showing up. Um, and, and over the course of the years that started to become more apparent for me, but I remember very much feeling this, this sense of like, but I, I, I have to, right? Like this, I, I have to feel, I have, what does, what is unconditional love? You, you have to do these things. This is, you know, um, so I had many years of having this internal battle inside of myself, not feeling satisfied, not sure if this is what was really right for me. Um, all the questioning and feeling like I was the most horrible person in the world for having these feelings in the first place. And I never told anybody, never. I mean, I was so, I was so ashamed that I felt that way. I was probably, we were married for around 10 years and, um, I finished my master's degree in counseling and decided that I wanted to take a trip by myself. And I went to, I decided to go to Guatemala for, to learn Spanish. And so I went for a two month trip on my own. And this is kind of where the, this moment happened for me. Uh, I was not expecting it at all. I was scared to go by myself. Like I had been with this man for so many years of my life, this was literally the first time that I had actually like been by myself and made decisions just for me and could say, I just wanted to do this. And I didn't have to consult anybody else or negotiate. It was just like, it got to just be me. And so that was a really important part of the moment. Um, but when I was in Guatemala, what happened was that I discovered that when I was out of the context of the life that and the messages and the stories that I felt like I needed to live by, somehow I got in conversations with people who were completely, they didn't care about my story, which meant that I finally, for the first time in my life, had the space to actually say things out loud. And I started to say, I'm not really sure that I want to be in my marriage. Mm. And that the like the space for me to when I began to speak that it's like I'll never I don't know how to describe what that was other than it's this this the moment of spiritual awakening. I started to say the things that I was never allowed to say. I was started to access this truth in myself. And when I did, it was like the whole universe. I mean, for those few weeks, I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. I was having exactly the conversations I needed to be having. I felt so afraid and so fearful about what was going to happen because I was saying these things. 
And I had this deep sense of like, I know what I need to do. I mean, it was, it was so, I've never felt it again, <laughs> to be honest. It was just this powerful spiritual, like I was one with the universe and I knew, I knew what I needed to do. And I knew that it was hard and I knew that it was my truth. And so, yeah, that's kind of where everything, my life, like the, the, the story kind of started to unfold because once you know that truth in yourself, it's really hard to unknow it, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Once you speak it, it's really hard to, to turn back from that. Um, yeah. So I started to speak these things. I got back home and really, I felt so, so centered in that truth. And I, and I felt courageous enough to start speaking it. And I knew that it was painful and I knew that it was hurting people and I was letting people down. I come from a family where nobody has been divorced. So this was, this, there's no, there's no, um, nothing for me to sort of lean into other than a messaging around like, oh, but you just have to stay because that's what you, that's what you committed to. And I kept feeling like, yeah, but what about truth? Mm. What about like my truth? What about this or his truth or our truth? Is it true that we should, that we should force each other to, you know, move off of each other's paths so that the relationship should stay together? Right. Um, I just didn't, it wasn't landing for me. It wasn't, uh, anyway, I started to speak that truth. It was very, very hard. And what I saw happen was that I, it's almost like, I was being like, so I was trying to say like, this is this truth of mine and I want to speak it and I, and I want to feel it and I want to know it and I want to know who I am in this truth. But the discomfort that it created for everyone else around me was, was so severe that it was almost like every time I tried to speak it, I also had to like fight against the projections of everybody else, like fight against their own fear. I could see what was happening. It was like, it was disturbing the story, right? For everybody else, people who were maybe not in relationships that were happy, but had decided that they were going to stay. It's like, all of a sudden I had to hear that story from other people. I had to hear what was right. I had to hear why they, why they did it and why I should too. And it was like, at first, when I, when I first came, I was so strong and powerful about it. And over the course of a few weeks or months, it's like, it's like every time I had to defend myself or like push against the projections of other people, it's like, it got diluted and diluted and diluted and diluted to the point where I had this moment where I was like, if I don't stop talking, they'll take it all from me. Mm. And I have this like poem that I wrote. I mean, I very specifically have this, this moment in time where I remember being like, if you don't stop, you won't get to have any of it left. And so I like, it's like, I put it under the rug and I like hit it. And then I, I stopped, I stopped talking about it. <laughs> I literally let it go. Fine. Can, and can I, um, yeah. I just want to understand is this feels really important what you're sharing and I and I love that you're you're bringing this up so you were speaking your truth and it was impacting people they didn't like it mm -hmm. and they were pushing back and so you were you were then finding how do I do this can I can I keep speaking because everybody is 
wanting to keep you small ultimately, right? Is that, mm-hmm. is that how it feels? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Okay. And so, and then you thought or felt inside that if you keep speaking, they're going to take it from you. Is that all right? Yeah. Like I won't exist anymore. Like my, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure I was hearing you right. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. This is so good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just like to identify the players too. Like it was that I just love when our higher self comes in to book you a flight to Guatemala, but it's like, sometimes those things happen. It's where you don't even know who just signed you up for something like that. And it's that power that keeps you going, that momentum of your higher self. And then in your case, you not only have your ego that you're fighting with that higher self, but it's like all of the people in your life are teaming up with your ego. And that is so much pressure when your higher self is just like, no, like this is the way, this is the way like hold on to that truth. But it's so, the ego can be so loud, especially when it has a group of people around it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's some, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's part of what fuels so much of the work that I do now is like, how do you give people space to speak a truth Mm. without interfering or interacting with their field of energy, right? Like that you can just hold that space and it can, it can be held, especially in the group of in community, right? Like if you can be in a collective where you can be doing that space and nobody's interfering. What was so important for me, again, in that moment of, of transition was that I got to say what was true and the people that were listening didn't care. I mean, they cared, of course, like, but they weren't, they weren't interested in the outcome. They had no connection to my story. And so I could say whatever I wanted and it didn't matter. They were basically able to reflect my highest self back to me in a way that the rest of the world, the rest of the people that I had surrounded myself with weren't able to, or I didn't believe that they were able to. So yeah, having that ability to like say what's true and feel like nobody else is, is, is getting in my energy field to like console me or to make it different or to change it or to tell me it should be different. That was the first time that I had ever experienced something like that. Like, so yeah. So then to, to work against, to sort of come back into your old context and to have to push back against a whole system that's set up to, you know, try to funnel people into one direction. I was really like rocking the ship. I was rocking the boat there pretty, pretty big. And I felt so powerful at first. I felt so sure. I mean, again, I, I could feel both of those things. I could feel that I'm terrified and this is going to be painful and this sucks, you know, because I really love this person. And it's not that I don't, you know, it's, 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 it's different. It's deeper. It's like, it's a, yeah, it's about this other knowing in myself. And I don't know why that's coming up, but that's what's coming up. So even, but in, in the middle of all that fear was this like really rooted sense of just being like, I know what I have to do. Um, but right. It got, so like you're saying, it's like, every time I would say it, it was like a little piece got taken away. Every time I had to like fight back and push back against it, it's like a little piece of that truth got taken away. And I, I started to lose my, my light and my sense of self. Like I got, I got diluted Mm. in all of it. Like I'm a bad person. Uh, I shouldn't feel this way. I need to stop feeling this way. But I kept that little nugget. I just, I basically, in order for me to keep that little piece for myself, I had to basically stop talking um, and hide it away. And that's what I did. 
And, you know, I look back and I've had to deal with a lot of um, pain around all of this, but you know, this is just awareness of like, you know, here I was speaking this thing that was really big. And then I just stopped saying it and decided like, okay, never mind. I guess I'll stay married. And I guess I'll, everybody needs me to do this. So I guess I will, that there were so few people that would be like, you know, all of a sudden everybody was fine. You know, we could all calm down. Everybody could relax. We could all just move through life feeling happy. Um, but you know, the painful part of being like, how many, how few people said, Hey, Stephanie, what about that thing you were saying? What mm. happened to that truth? Mm. Um, so that was, so yeah. Um, I stayed married for another four years after that, um, and wrestled, dealt with a tremendous amount of anxiety also discovered an underlying part of the situation, which was that my ex-husband um, was an alcoholic throughout it all secretly. And so there was this, there were these other things at play. So also talking about like, you know, there's this awareness of something that needs to happen. And there were many things that I wasn't seeing at that time that were fueling part of this. Instead, it, it got turned on me as being, or I turned it on myself as being this, like, I'm this horrible person and I'm I should feel so ashamed for the way that I feel. But there were actually a lot of other dynamics that were at play that at that time I wasn't fully aware of. I knew what needed to happen. I knew what I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know what and why. In retrospect, I have more clarity around the other kind of pieces that were playing, who I was being, but also how that relationship was working, why it might have been that something didn't feel quite right to me so yeah I stayed we stayed married for another four years which was very 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 tumultuous and really really hard until I then made the big decision and um, ended my marriage and it was very hard as you would expect so well, that's that little that little nugget that you hold on to and suppress like it's just yeah that, that's it's pain it's pain yeah. and that's where that anxiety stems from it's yeah and I think too when I think a lot about how you know I've heard Sam talk about this in the program but also I've heard it from other places where anxiety is the way that you are being dishonest with yourself right it's this it's that it's the voice inside of you that's like I need your attention because you're not telling the truth mm. you're not you're not being honest either with yourself or with the world around you. And in this case, it was very true. I mean, the level of my anxiety was so severe during those four years because I was so out of alignment, right? Mm -hmm. I had literally sanctioned off <laughs> my, my, the true part of myself, what I knew, knew to be true and was trying to force this other thing in life to take shape. And it did not work well. It, it, it doesn't work. You can't run from what's true. I mean, that's that's the painful part of being human, I think, is that as much as we try, we can't actually run away from the truth of who we are. And eventually it's the body that starts to give the signal that says enough. And so I guess to me, anxiety, at least in my case, anxiety was certainly one of those ways along with digestive issues and you know a whole host of other things. But my body was like, you're not paying attention. <laughs> mm -hmm. I find it so amazing that it, that 
anxiety and stuff like that like for me too that's what happened that's part of my story was gut issues it's like as women when we hold that stuff in it it just festers in our gut Mm -hmm. it's just physically there yeah yeah (sighs) so (laughs) it's been a long journey but um I've I've you know I've had to come to this place where I've also healed that I mean I think I'm still in that in a way knowing how deeply I abandoned myself and how that the sort of like the spiritual you know that my higher self how it got you know basically squashed and I was like so violently like you be quiet <laughs> no more we can't we can't handle any more of you um but has been a real process and part of the journey and I think part of in, in the end, my purpose here, right? For me to go through that, to find my way back to myself and for that to be the the kind of path that I'm leading forward for myself and then also for other people. So when did you flip it to be like, this is something I can help people through? Like, when did you discover that as a gift that you went through something so yeah. life-changing that now I can help people through the same thing? Yeah, it's taken me. It's it's interesting because my I've I um, my background is in counseling, so I've I've always kind of played that role in a certain way, and um, I think what I'm discovering is that I I have to think this through for a second because I oh it's always kind of been there, but I I even talk about it. I still process it now. Like, how is it possible that I could you know, compartmentalize this, these, this really very, very painful, very traumatic experience. I was in, to, to make matters worse, for those last four years, we were living in Kuwait in the Middle East. Um, so we were far away from anybody that, you know, knew anything about either one of us. Um, I was working in an international school as a, as a counselor. So I was like simultaneously holding the space by myself, trying to, to navigate these these four I guess it was three years in Kuwait um, while then going to work and like doing that thing, holding the space and being really good at it. That's why I'm always like, is there something wrong with me? Like, how was I able to do that? How could I compartmentalize so much? If I'm so tapped out and barely hanging on to my own life, how is it possible that I'm holding space for other people? What I've come to to be a woman, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) you know, what I've come to realize is that the space that I'm longing for. So I, one of my big, passions in life is it's breath work but it's also circle process so josh you were in with me circle process as a medicine being in that space with people as medicine which is speaks to that that part that i was talking about earlier which is like how do you hold space how do you create a container for for the collective for a group of people to actually speak truth without actually we're not in a support group we're not we're not consoling each other we're not hugging each other we're not we're not cross-talking we're not exchanging energy we're just holding creating this this really safe container where people get to start experimenting with what it's like to actually name their truth Mm -hmm. and I think that's the where I realize that that's the place that I want to be I don't want to have to pretend that I'm okay all the time I'm still human I'm always going to be human doesn't matter how much healing I do it's always going to be a journey And that I get to own that alongside other people. I can facilitate and hold that space for people. 
um, but I also get to exist. And so I think there's been a shift there in terms of feeling like it's all my responsibility to take care of everyone. And that's a boundaries thing as well, isn't it? Like an energetic boundaries thing, but it's all my responsibility to take care of everyone versus actually I want to do this work and I'm really skilled at holding space for people. And do you want to come in and do this work beside me? Like, do you want to do it together? And we can just all be humans and work it out and find our own truth <laughs> together. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I don't know if that's totally answering your question, but in a way, I think that's what, what shifted there. Mm -hmm. the, the other, other piece part there was that after I left Kuwait, I went to Shanghai and worked there for four and a half years at an international school. And that was another kind of important moment, I think, speaking to the question that you had, which was kind of when did it shift? And, you know, COVID was hard for all of us. Uh, it was very hard. Again, I was in China. So it was like in this bubble for two years, I couldn't see my family. I couldn't leave. And I was like holding the space for everybody. And I was okay. Again, I was really good at it for a long time until I wasn't anymore. And I started to feel that burnout. And I had this moment where I was like, wait a minute, don't, I'm pretty sure I get to matter too. Um, and that was when I thought like, think I need a break mm. <laughs> and I think I'm going to go do something different and that was a really big moment for me again it's a whole different story but that that like moment in life where I once again it was like wait a minute I think I'm supposed to matter too and if I look at myself a year from now and the trajectory that I'm going which is not caring for myself but basically being responsible to care for other people I don't really like that version of me and I don't want to be that person. I'm good at my job. I want to stay good at my job. And so I decided to, to jump ship and um, yeah, made a big move to try to do this work in a different way. And so that's where I'm at right now. Well, where did you um, find breath work? I know how I got into pause. Um <sighs> Like really, it's another one of those, like the universe is, mm -hmm. I don't understand it, but <laughs> my first experience with breath work was actually negative. Um, mm -hmm. It was one that was not trauma-informed. Mm -hmm. And although I had a really positive outcome, it wasn't, it was very much that attitude of like, keep going, push, 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 keep going past the resistance, blah, 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 blah. And what I felt in my body was so uncomfortable that I just dreaded the, dreaded having to do it again. So I didn't, I didn't practice breath work for a long time after that. And I had then had a couple other experiences that were more positive, but what is the truth for me is that it, this is a perfect example of how it's your energy that brings people in. It wasn't breath work that brought me in. It was Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, who is she? She is super awesome. Like, I want to learn from her. I want to know what she knows. I can't believe how inspired I feel when I listen to her speak. And so when the breathwork thing opened, I was like, what, what about that? And I don't know. I mean, it was my initial reaction is like, it's way too expensive. There's no way I could do it. And I don't know, but lo and behold, <laughs> no, I was in the program and I'm so, 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 so glad that I was because it's been, yeah, it's completely changed or put me on even a new trajectory here mm -hmm. in life. So it was a happy accident, really. 
kind of how it happened with me. It was like your trip to Guatemala. I was like, did I really just sign up for that? Like who (laughs) who took over my body last night and paid that much money? Yeah. But it's like, like I just mentioned before, there's that higher self. Like even this morning, I, like I mentioned, I hadn't been feeling that well, but I woke up this morning and all of a sudden I'm like in the middle of the woods, walking my dog. And I'm like, who was that, that tied my shoes and got me out here today like (laughs) for this past week I've been a slug like trying to just you know get my body back together Mm -hmm. and I'm like somebody just got me up out of bed today and I'm out here already out in the woods and stuff so there is I just love that higher self that comes in when we really need it most and yes takes control (laughs) it was a surrender in that for sure So I would love to kind of pivot a little bit. Well, dive into your understanding and your awareness around the idea of abandoning ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I can very much relate to that in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. But for 50 years, I didn't know I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And so maybe... For those that are listening, that are like, how do I tell if I'm abandoning myself? Because that sounds like a pretty horrible thing that we're we're doing to ourselves or whatever. But in your, maybe your understanding of working with people or your own experience, like what, what are some signs? What can people look for? when it comes to abandoning themselves. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you ask because I just got finished with a five-day challenge for burnout. And I'm working under the premise that burnout is a result of us being out of alignment Mm. with ourselves, of not listening, having a sort of a long-term experience where we disregard the messages from our body. And again, that can be the physical stuff, the emotional stuff. It's, I think it's all tied in there together. The ways that we say our emotions are not acceptable or that whatever this gut feeling is inside of me is stupid and illogical and impractical. So it's this kind of lack of honoring that we have this whole system that's actually working. So I feel like we are here Mm. so much of the time and then we're missing out all of the signals. And I guess my feeling is that, like I said before, it's this eventual, like the body keeps trying, it keeps trying to tell us. And we often aren't even trained to pay attention or to even know how to connect with that or to know what that is and to know that it's something that we should be listening to in the first place. And so it has to scream louder and louder and louder and louder until we get to a point where we're actually literally burning out psychologically, emotionally, mentally, or we're dealing with a host of, of physical problems. So I think in my idea, in my sense, it's that it's, it's our bodies that are telling us all along. I would say that that's true for me. Um, for sure with my, like I said, my gut issues also like hives I've had, um, again, the, the way the body is like, you need to pay attention. You need to slow down. You need to pay attention. I'm trying to talk to you we don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know, like for so long, I still, like, I'm still learning the messages of my body. 
but that that is actually part of the process there. I think anxiety, I would say, I mean, I know anxiety is a tricky one because it's, there's, it's complex, but ultimately I, I still feel that it's that anxiety is our body's way of speaking to us, that there's something, something we're not being, something that's not true inside of us. And that can even be that I'm paying so much attention about the future things that I'm scared of, right? Like that's not truth. That's, that's belief. That's not truth. And so the worse we feel, the further are, the further we are away from what's actually true. One of my mentors says, it's James Wedmore. He says, what are you saying to yourself? Would, do you think that's how God feels about you? Right. Your, this, this, your divinity, is that, is that, you think that that's how you're created? And the further you are away from that essence of your like true love and worth and absolute, like the miracle that you are, the worse you're going to feel. So what are you telling yourself? What are you thinking? What are the thoughts that you're thinking? What are the things, the stories that you're saying, the beliefs that you're holding on to? And if they're not feeling good, then you're not telling the truth. <laughs> so I'm saying truth as in not necessarily lies, but meaning, does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because it's a feeling of when we abandon ourselves and we're in that feeling of a state of numbness because all of that anxiety is too much and you know maybe you do already start to have like these pains in your body or your gut and it's like that's too much to handle too so it's like you don't feel safe anymore and that's when you abandon yourself until the like you said it's not a whisper anymore from your body it starts screaming mm-hmm I mean, and I would say too, if, I mean, uh, um, abandonment also feels like there's one part that is, I'm just not aware. And then there's another part that is, I am aware and I'm actively choosing against it. Right. And I think those are also important distinctions. I think a lot of people are numb to their body and numb to the sensations that are giving the messages, but they're not actively abandoning themselves in the sense that they have, they just haven't tuned in yet. Uh, in my case, I feel like it was an active abandonment. I, I actually said, okay, I'm going to quiet you down now. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to align with you anymore because this is too hard. So, um, yeah. I mean, and again, I don't know what, what difference it makes, but just to say that I think there is something, a little bit of a distinction there between people who are learning and open and willing to sort of go into that space and just haven't ever been taught to do that versus when it's very loud and clear. And I think I did that for a long time. It's like, it's, no matter how much I tried to put it under the rug, it like, it wasn't actually quiet. <laughs> it didn't actually go away. I just tried harder and harder to not pay attention to it. Um, but it was there, you know, it was in the relationships thereafter that were actually unhealthy for me that were, you know, not boundaried. It was there saying, get out, Stephanie, you know, like, but I don't want to get out. I want to stay in this. I'm choosing the wrong path. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So there was active abandonment there, but I just, I just don't know if, if it's fair or if it's help, helpful to, to, 
abandonment, I feel could have a, a really negative connotation or a sense about it, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we are abandoning ourselves, but sometimes we're just not, we're not yet attuned to hearing it. Well, and I've thought a lot about the reasons. I like to look at the reasons why we do the behaviors, mm. um, which helps me from a place of compassion and understanding mm -hmm. instead of it can it can feel judgmental yeah for myself if i if i don't understand the reasons and so um that's a goal of mine is to really dive deeper so i can have compassion for myself and for others and it sounds like for you and and you can tell me if this resonates or if i'm way off but that as you brought your truth home from Guatemala and you were sharing it and there was like, like that need to have to to speak your truth and that need to belong mm -hmm. and those were those felt like they were in opposition mm -hmm. and then if we all understood that we all have our own truth and that doesn't actually negate or impact belonging that it actually reinforces and enhances belonging. Mm -hmm. I mean, can we get to a, a world where, where that is understood? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where, again, why I feel so passionate about the circle. It's a, it's this incredible it's so simple, but it is this incredible, the more you understand or the more that you lean in and sort of are in that space as, as medicine, right? Not just the tool. It's not, we can use it as a tool to be like, okay, we're going to take turns talking, but really like what's actually happening there energetically in terms of the ceremony of being in circle is exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That my truth, when, when I speak my truth, you see yourself reflected in me, but our truths are not the same. So I do you a favor. I do both of us a favor when I tap into my heart, into my authentic self, and I speak what's true for me in the moment. That allows me to speak and say the stories maybe I didn't know I needed to say, but it allows you to see yourself reflected in me from your own angle. You're not interacting with my truth. I don't have to change it. I don't have to make it different so that you feel comfortable you're here holding space while i speak it and then when i'm done you take the talking piece and you speak your truth and we hold space for each other so it's to me it's that like that's the work i feel that we need to be doing is learning how to listen from the heart learning how to speak from the heart and learning what it actually means to like let go of the stories and the the masks and the layers and actually lean in a little bit more deeply to to truth but that has, that requires safety. And I think, mm. you know, I just don't think that we often know what safety feels like either in the body or in relationship to others. Yeah. Josh and I often talk about safety as it seems to be just the foundation to any sort of inner work. Mm -hmm. um, so I love, can you tell me a little bit more about the, the circle? Is this, or is this something that you facilitate? Because I, like looking for safety i feel like there needs to be something that people yeah. can find that can help them feel safe oh, yeah. 
it's all that's also been one of the more transformational experience of my life um was being in a training for it so yeah i'm a certified circle keeper um and like i said you can find circles in a lot of different ways in life the way that i was trained and the way that i now i'm passionate about holding circle it's in its roots it's connected to restorative justice um kind of like victim and offender there's a lot of indigenous you know aspects to circle process which is we are a community we come into this space and anybody who's impacted by the harm that's been done in the community gets to have a voice and say and then we learn from each other when we when we share our experiences how we've been impacted by harm and that we can begin to have compassion and empathy and understanding for each other when we actually listen so typically our way of doing it is to be like you're you're going to jail you're excommunicated you're no longer worthy of being part of the community mm -hmm. whereas this approach says okay, if somebody is suffering or there's harm that's been done, we all have responsibility. We're all connected. Let's take the time to hear how we've been impacted and what was going on for the person who was in that place. Anyway, there's lots to it. That's a very, very simplified version. But part of that restorative justice practice is this circle process. So you're sitting in the circle, you have a talking piece. There's three rules. It is, we have a talking piece. And the way that I do it, not everybody would do it this way, would be the talking piece goes in one direction and you can always pass. So it's this way of bringing all the voices in together and actually sharing space for every single person to be heard. You don't have to if you don't want to, but it's a given that your voice is essential. It's not this like, if you feel like sharing, please get louder than the rest of the other people because I know for myself that I never do I won't if you say Stephanie what do you think then I'm like oh I have wisdom I, have, I can share so anyway it's this way of of kind of creating that type of space if you're doing like a one-off circle usually you'll have a few agreements that you kind of propose to the group um it's like speaking from the heart, listening from the heart, confidentiality, like those kinds of things. So these kind of essential components to a, a safe space. But we recognize that even in that, as much as you can try to create a safe space, it's you still have your guard up to a certain degree. If I'm doing a long-term circle, so like six, eight, 12 weeks, one of the things that we're prioritizing is a practice where we would probably take at least one session to establish values and guidelines. And in that session, what we're doing is we're saying, who are you when you're at your best? What are the values? What are the things that you bring to the world when you are at your best? And what do you need from this group in this space in order to show up that way? And we go through a whole I mean, it's a, it's sometimes people are like, oh, this takes so long, but it's, it's part of this really important commitment to creating this container that ultimately has these understandings that incorporate every single person's needs. So we go through and we basically, so somebody says, I need confidentiality. Okay. Well, what do you mean by confidentiality? What does that actually mean? What does confidentiality really mean? Well, it means that if I see you on the street, you're not acknowledging me. Somebody else, you know, we go around somebody else says, well, I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel good. Here's what confidentiality means to me. So you're getting everybody to really speak into safety, what it means to create safety. And by the end of the process, you're coming up with this, these agreements that have been 
refined with words, you know, taken out, but you ultimately have this list of things that has been designed and, and everyone is in consensus. You don't stop until everybody is saying, I see that list there. And I know that I belong there. Hmm. That, that reflects me. And then you get to do a totally different kind of work, right? After everybody in a collective feels like I'm, I'm reflected in my safe and my best self gets to show up here. Now I get to challenge myself to show up as that person and learn inside of myself what it takes to tap into that. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's this completely different realm <laughs> that is unlike anything else. Uh, it's very, very powerful. So that's the circle process that I'm passionate about. And so people come to you, like if they're, they have some sort of issue they're trying to resolve or it can just be anything. It can be anything. In the end, I think, I think often we might come with one understanding and learn. I think you guys know, right? Like when you're in a container, I feel like anytime you put something in a container, this is the pattern that I'm seeing anyway. doesn't matter if it's a short container or a long container. At some point there's going to be an arc, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm here for this reason. And now this is what I think I'm doing. And then something happens where we have a tension or a challenge or some kind of like something that we're here to wrestle with something that you're here to learn. And then you go through the process of wrestling through it and then being able to say, oh, I see what that was. So yes, I can I can offer a circle for a specific topic um, and that might actually bring people together for a reason. But in the end, the work that you do in that circle may or may not have anything to do or may, may or may not be directly related to what you thought. Sometimes it can be reflected in the group itself. If there's some kind of conflict or tension that happens in the group, that might be what's showing us all <laughs> what we need to actually be working on. So I, I, my preference is to, you know, in my heart, I'm keeping that intention open to say it's whatever, trust the process, whatever that shows up is supposed to be here. But we might say, okay, come, let's talk about burnout. Or let's talk about divorce. But in the end, we're, we're getting to the shadow. Mm. And can you do that virtually or do you have to have mm -hmm. a physical circle? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different experience, but yeah. often nowadays it's, it happens virtually. So I'm curious what the gender ratio is in your circle groups. Well, <laughs> I've done a, a, a wide variety of circles for different demographics. Um, more recently though, I team up with, um, a colleague of mine and we actually have trainings for people so people who want to learn how to do to hold circle to be circle keepers um but his work his name is ted wallach his work is called quantum warrior it's around circles for men so doing the same depth work for men specifically mm. and that is i think really valuable work I mean, valuable work for all of us, but also I think it's a really, really special place for men in particular to be able to come to like learn what it means to tap into the heart space. So the two trainings that we've offered more recently have been all men. It's been me, <laughs> a group of men, but I often find that it's a fair mix. I think, I think everybody appreciates it. It's like, you just kind of get into this other heart space layer that everybody, the minute you're in it, you're like, oh. It's that place. Like, mm. oh, we get to talk like this. And I find that that's equally appreciated 
among men and women. I think there's different barriers for for different people. Yeah, I was just curious, as Hannah and I have talked about safety, emotional safety, and I mentioned that I didn't know what that mm-hmm. even meant. There was no concept. I couldn't even picture it mm-hmm. in my head of what what are these words that you're using? Yeah. So as you go around the circle, defining what safety would look like, I was picturing me like a year ago answering that question. And I would have been like, well, what would feel safest is for me to get the hell out of here and not. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Again, I think there's something, there's something really special about that space in the way that you see like I said before, the way that you see yourself reflected in the other people. So in that moment, so let's say it comes to you or it's going to come to you and you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what, what I'm going to say. Um, once you've actually tuned in to other people, right? You've heard somebody say, well, actually what I need is this. I need people to show up on time. I need to know that this is valued enough. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's true. I actually think that that's possibly true for me. You know, like, actually, I agree with that. I really do feel unsafe when, you know, people aren't showing up and demonstrating that they value me by being on time, for example. So there is something there where, again, you, you see yourself reflected and it allows you to access something different in yourself that maybe you wouldn't access otherwise or see, and you can begin to refine and to kind of like take ownership of the parts that belong to you. So I, t- I don't think that that's uncommon, Josh, especially like, again, like out of context to be like, well, I just have to come up with some language and some things about that. I think that's really common. Mm. And also one of the other, you know, challenges and really learning opportunities in circle is that you are really beginning to understand what it feels like to listen from the heart. Like, what does it feel like to not think about what you're going to say, but really only listen to what the people are saying. And then when that talking piece comes to you to speak from the heart, which means I'm not speaking a story that I think you need or want to hear. I'm speaking whatever it is that's here in this moment. So maybe that is, I don't know what safety is right? Like maybe that's what needs to be spoken. I don't know if I've ever felt safe Mm. example. You know what I mean? So there's something really, there's something so powerful about learning that experience as well. What is it like for me to not have to create the story, but to just speak it when it comes and to trust that whatever's here is actually exactly what's meant to be here. I love that. It sounds so powerful. Mm -hmm. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been doing that? Well, I was first introduced to it way back in um, college. I have went to a private university that has a graduate program called the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding, and they do restorative justice. So I was like, I introduced to it. And I remember the minute I was in that circle, I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done. <laughs> but I didn't actually do it for a really long time. I would think about it and I wanted to learn more. And I, I was, it's, it was very impactful for me. Um, but it wasn't until that, training in 
2017, I did like a very intensive five day deep dive with this woman who has some powerful work that she's doing in New York. Her name is Elizabeth Clement. Um, she's guys, but she's also a shaman. And so there was something about that group and that training that was very much like it was, it was shadow work. It was all of the spiritual. There was so much depth that was happening there. So that was 2017. And then I went back to China and was working at the schools. And so I just would do circles with kids. I would, with the, with faculty, with staff, um, all different kinds. When we went through COVID, it was like, okay, let's do some community circles. Let's just talk about what our experiences are. Let's just connect. So it's been in a lot of different capacities since I would say most actively 2017. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that was good as a keeper of the time it has been an hour does anybody have any last things before we ask you where we can find you on social media anything I, else you i i like to just hear if you could share a message with the world from your truth, well, how, how do you want to share that? How does that want to come out? I mean, what's coming to me right now is just that you are so much more powerful than you realize sometimes I feel like that language gets a little wonky for people because power has a lot of, mm. um, there's a lot to the word power, but I do just mean like empowerment. Like we have so much, like so, so, so much that we're here to do. And even to think like that we are this miracle and Karen Curry Parker, she's a human design person that I uh, learned from. And she always is talking about how we have this, like this unique, we are this once in a lifetime cosmic event, right? Like there is this purpose that we serve that literally nobody else can serve. And there is power in that, in knowing that like you're here because you are meant to bring what you bring to the world and the rest of the collective gets to do their part when you're doing yours. So the work that we're doing to, you know, to come back into ourselves and to learn about ourselves and to speak our truth is literally not just serving our own purpose, but also serving a role in the collective. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that message. <sighs> We do the work. <laughs> do the work. Keep doing the work. So how how can people work with you or find you? Oh. So I'm on Instagram. I'm Stephanie Wrestler underscore coaching. I am offering circle keeper trainings with my colleague Ted. So those are kind of ongoing. So if anybody's interested in something like that, I'm also actually right now. Um, starting a launch of a 10-week program. So that'll begin on October 16th. It's called Circle of Renewal. And it is a connection between breathwork and circle. So we're sort of 
using the framework of the chakras, the seven chakras to, to explore the life themes that might be, you know, happening where there might be imbalance in somebody's life, using the release, the breath work for, to kind of tap into that, get deeper to release. And then also, you know, processing our experiences and kind of using that power of circle as well. So that starts on October 16th. So if anybody's interested in that, that's happening soon, but enrollment is going to close soon, but Otherwise, yeah, Instagram is a great way. I also have my, my website, stephanieannwrestler.com. So with the training, do you do one-on-one -on -one sessions as well, breath work or coaching? Oh, yeah, all of that. Yeah, on my website, there's there's a wide variety of, <laughs> of different modalities and, you know, packages for that. So definitely doing one-on-one -on -one work, but and what's the um, circle training, like the length? And is that, I guess, over Zoom? And Yeah, those are over Zoom. Those are, we've been running them for six weeks, but I think we're going to change it to eight weeks so that we have a little bit more time and space. Um, those usually we meet once per week in circle just to kind of like be mm -hmm. in the space. Then we have um, online course modules and office hours every week. So it's kind of a way to, get the information and experience it from all the different angles. So the office hours are then the way to sort of talk about the philosophy and ask questions and, you know, where are we getting stuff? But once a week is the 90 minutes actually just experiencing the circle. Hmm. I was just thinking about, so she did a breathwork session with us in our little co-op and then did the circle with us and just realizing how safe that was. I, I was like thinking about if I would want to sign up for that. Inside me, I feel there's like, ah, I don't know about that. But as we went through it, it was just so safe is the word. Mm-hmm. I think there's something human about that place. I think it's a place that we're so longing for, like we're so just hungry for that place to just be human. That what I find when I do the breathwork workshops and I kind of like throw that into the mix, <laughs> you know, is that there, there may be a little bit of trepidation, but the minute that you see what's happening, most of the time people are so hungry for it that it doesn't take much to get people into it when you're like oh this is the space we're in oh yes this feels really good mm. it's it's this like when it's available and open and you see that everybody else is is there too it's like you can't get this guard gets to go down that also matters too like if somebody was going to do that you know as a facilitator i have it's really important in a space like that where um if people are unfamiliar that i'm leading by example and so that means I don't answer, I don't ask a question that I'm not going to answer myself. I ask the question, I say, what's the story? Tell us the story of what brings you here. And that means I'm telling my story, you know, to, for whatever capacity feels best in that moment, but I'm showing people where we're going. Mm -hmm. And then, and that is the allowance for other people to say, oh, okay, yeah, I want to do that too. But also you can always pass. So just I guess, lastly, the, uh, Hannah and I have talked a lot about universal human needs. Mm. And a lot of the time we don't know 
those are needs. And it sounds like you've um, created a space where these, these invisible unknown needs get met and they're starving for them. And so just to list some, and, and I'd love to hear your input as well, but just like to be heard, to be able to speak, you know, that safety. Um, and just, it's like to be understood and then to just be, is there, are, are there more that you've noticed as well? There's a need for community, I would add. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of those feel right on track to me. I mean, I'm not sure. I would want to think about that a little bit more. I think mm. those are really important. I'm thinking about like, you know, in the conversation I had with Ted recently, he was referencing one of his teachers who is saying that the world has a, um, a global intimacy disorder, right? Mm. And intimacy being into me see, to be fully seen and to have that space held. Um, and again, I think so much of us and myself included is this sense that it's only this part of me that's ever allowed as long as people like what they see. But there is this kind of like, oh, but all of me belongs. So the sense of belonging, but I think you said all of that. No, I think it, does, it seems like you're on the right track. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to actually have that conversation and to, to kind of ponder that a little bit more, especially in terms of like what, which of those needs or how, how circle serves to, to meet those needs. But. Oh, and I think it's no coincidence that your truth that had to get squashed is now exactly what you're creating for other people mm -hmm. so that all of those get that place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I get to belong there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a gift you are. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. What a lovely conversation. <laughs> And what you're doing here, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. 
Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now and see you in the next episode.